We are walking through the Gospel of John, and we are in chapter 3, and we're going to see the second part of Nicodemus' conversation with Jesus, and Jesus moving him along further in the understanding um, out of salvation. And while Nicodemus is not fully all the way there yet, uh, Jesus is going to continue to challenge and help him today and bring him further in his understanding. Now, Nicodemus' whole life was grounded in um, every aspect of faith. He ministered to people. He ministered um, at the temple. But there was one thing he wasn't ready for, and I think probably most of those at that time in the first century weren't ready for either, and that was actually literally meeting the Son of God face to face. I mean, who would have been ready for that? They had been waiting for a long, long time for the long-awaited Messiah to come. Now he is here. He is teaching He is healing people. He is present. You can talk to him. And seeing Jesus as an eyewitness and an ear witness just remarkably began to shatter what Nicodemus thought was the way of salvation and what would bring him and give him the security uh, connected with his faith. And so what he thought was settled matter in his heart, all of a sudden by looking at Jesus and hearing Jesus became a bit more unsettled. And with all of us, There are two options in those moments spiritually in how you and I can respond to things that kind of become unsteady in our heart. One, we can just let things remain unsettled. We can just say, well, I'll hope for the best and I'll just kind of, I don't want to leave all the things that I've come to know that I think are true. Now that I see something else in the Bible, I I don't want to, I don't want to leave a heritage or whatever the case may be or, um, Whatever it may be. So that's one option. We just don't do anything about it. There's just continued to be this unsettledness. Or the second response is, just like Nicodemus, we got to do something about that. And so Nicodemus goes and he finds Jesus somewhere uh, in Jerusalem and wants to have a conversation with him, wants to ask him some more questions to get things, get things settled. Life, as you know, is totally and completely unstable. Now, for the most part, our lives kind of run along a smooth path. There are moments that come along that shatter the stability and the direction, the comfortableness that we have. And so what do we do in those moments? And it's in those moments where our faith comes to be the most key thing in our lives. Because it brings stability again, and that stability comes from our turning away um, from whatever the situation is and just laying our lives down in the very hands of God. Now, for Nicodemus, his issue was this issue of salvation. How do I know that I'm truly um, have a security that I'm going to live with God forever and that I have salvation? This unsettled feeling that he had, now he's heard Jesus, he's seen Jesus, and he he needed that stability again. And so what he needed was faith, and he needed new life. And that's why Jesus has been talking to him about that. And so um, I've centered our time today around the idea of movement. Because Jesus is going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. He's going to talk about the Holy Spirit by the way of wind. Um, And this week, um, one of the great things about the internet is uh, going to a Bible website like Bible Gateway and putting in their search bar, Holy Spirit. And everything that's on the Holy Spirit that's in the Bible just pops up right there for you. And so I looked at those things this week. And every place where the capital Spirit, S Spirit, referring to the Holy Spirit, 
um, is there in the Old Testament and then particularly in the New Testament. Here's what you'll see every time the Spirit is mentioned is there's movement that is connected when the Spirit comes. And I could share a number of those verses today. Let me just give you a, a couple of them. John 14, 26, this is Jesus speaking. And he says, when the Spirit comes, he will teach you and bring to remembrance. And so he will bring a movement in our lives uh, to teach us to understand truth and to uh, bring remembrance about certain things. In Mark chapter 13, verse 11, Jesus was telling the disciples that down the road they were going to be arrested for their faith. And they were going to be brought, just as we saw in Psalm 119, they would be brought before kings and, and governors and rulers and they will be arrested for their faith. And Jesus said, you're not going to know what to say in that moment as you stand there before a powerful ruler. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit's going to give you the words that you need to say. He will move. He will give you the words that you speak. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit came, He would come and He would come in power when He comes upon you. Peter in his second letter in chapter uh, 1 verse 21, he, wrote, he said this, that those who wrote the scripture were men who were carried along by the will of God. They wrote the word of God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is alive and he is moving and he is at work and we're going to um, talk and see um, each, each thing that Jesus is doing in Nicodemus' life to bring him further along to understand um, salvation. So let's look at the text, John chapter 3, and if you weren't here last week, I'm going to put all of this together so that we can see the full conversation um, from Jesus. So, John 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher, come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel. There's our text today. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. And so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So Nicodemus said, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what I know, of what we know, and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And we'll stop there. So here's the first point this morning that's important for us to look at. It's found in verse 7, and it's the movement to deal with and overcome misunderstanding about who God is. And this is where Nicodemus is. 
So he had an idea of this is, this is what faith is. This is what salvation is. I follow the commandments. I obey the commandments. I find salvation by following the word of God. And that's what, that's what they, were, they had grounded things in. But the reality is this, is that the scripture pointed not to itself, but the scripture pointed to who? To Jesus. And so salvation comes in Jesus. Now the word of God um, is so important um, in our lives. But they thought... If I'll obey the commandments, then I will have done enough to earn salvation. And now Jesus has come along, and he said, no, that's not it. I am the way. You've got to, you've got to come to me, and the Spirit does this work of being born again. It's for everything that Nicodemus thought his life was grounded upon and he was certain of has been shaken in the uncertainty now as he's heard Jesus communicate these things. And so... We have an educated Pharisee, he knew the law, he believed the commandments would um, allow him to attain salvation, and now in his heart there's this growing sense that what Jesus is saying is true, he's looking at his life and he's wondering, what do I do uh, with this? And so he says these words, um, Jesus says to him, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again, and so there's a misunderstanding that is settled and Nicodemus' life, and he doesn't want to know what to do. And so Jesus says, hey, don't get hung up on all of this. What I'm telling you is exactly true, and you've got to move beyond your misunderstanding. Now, I would imagine in a room like this today that there are people who have some misunderstandings about God. There are people who have some ideas about this is how I earn salvation. I earn salvation by being good. And I've got I've to be good enough and, and I balance these scales out in my favor with more good stuff than my bad stuff. And we have all kinds of ideas about that. And we must move beyond our misunderstandings to a place of understanding what the Scripture says. And, and there are some unbelievable, marvelous things that are connected to our faith. I have been walking with the Lord now for 37 years. And I have sat in rooms like this. I have heard preaching. I've been in small group Bible studies where we have discussed things and taught things. I have listened to podcasts. I've watched sermons online. I have preached. I can't even, I can't even count how many times um, I've stood up before people and proclaimed stuff that I've studied all week. And for 37 years now, I've been reading the Word of God, listening to the Word of God, God, going to the nations with the Word of God, sitting in small groups with the Word of God. And I'll just confess to you this morning that I still cannot fathom the depth of the salvation that has come to me. It's just beyond comprehension what God has done for us. And I believe that we will never be able to exhaust our understanding of what has been done for us through Christ. As a matter of fact, the distance between us and the holiness of God was so huge that the only way that could be fixed was for God himself to come and to take on flesh and to bear our sin on the altar of the cross so that he could reconcile us and restore us. This gap was so big. And that's why 37 years later of countless Bible studies and countless reading and all of this stuff, I still do not fully get the depth of what has been done. Now, do I know what's been done? Yeah, mostly I do. 
But there are aspects of it that still today, 37 years later, that I read and I'm blown away. Are you not as well? Just astounded about what has been given to us in this salvation. And so Nicodemus is wrestling with that. He has this idea, this way, this was his way. Now he's met Jesus and it's this other way. And he's like, what do I do with that? And this misunderstanding that comes, you see it, and there's three responses to misunderstanding about salvation and spiritual things. And the first misunderstanding simply comes from those who are so new in the faith that they're not ready to hear deeper matters about things, or maybe it's just a kid who's five or six, and, and they, they're recognizing even at five, and five or six that, boy, they've sinned against God and, and that Christ has come to die, and there's an understanding of that, but they, but they don't really understand some of the deep matters. And so there's an aspect just of maturity-wise that brings misunderstanding about things. And then there's a second misunderstanding that comes connected to God, and it's this one. It's people who choose to just stay in a place of rejecting what the Scripture says. And so they choose that their path is going to be misunderstanding because they're not interested in reading further, listening further, having more discussions to see what the truth is. And then there is a third group who remain in a place of misunderstanding. And I have had personal experience with this in talking with people. And it's this one. It's that there, are, there are many people in the world today who have a fear to leave everything that they have built their lives upon that they think is true, that's going to grant them salvation. And they worry about in that moment, if I walk away from everything that I've built my life upon, this belief system, this spiritual system, and I walk away from that, will everything that's connected to my life crumble in that moment to just completely walk away from it? We had a family friend of ours when we lived in Germany, and we were church planters there. And she lived up the street from us, and we had no idea. Her name was Ming Fong. She was from Taiwan, and uh, we were studying German um, at the Goethe Institute there in Dusseldorf. And, and we met her. She was in our class. We got to know her, and we rode the, the same Strassenbahn home with her one day. And, and we got out the same stop. We walked, to the, and we realized, hey, we live on the same street. She was a Buddhist who also believed in reincarnation. And so we began to build a relationship with Ming Fong, hoping to share the gospel with her. And we shared the gospel with her multiple times. One of the great things about living in Western Europe is your, uh, you can get in your car and be in Paris, France in five and a half hours. You can be in Amsterdam in two and a half hours. And so we would take these daily trips and we would bring Ming Fong along with us. And, and we would go places and experience things and, and just built our life into Ming Fong. Eventually, we got to a place where uh, one Sunday night I was going to preach somewhere. And, and, uh, and so Ming Fong and I, our German had gotten better, and I'm preaching in German now. And I and, uh, said, Ming Fong, you want to go with me tonight? I'm going to preach at this church outside of Dusseldorf. Yeah, I want to go with you. And so, so we go, I preach, I share the gospel, and we're coming back, and I'm talking with her. And I said, Ming Fong, you know, for a couple years now, we've gotten to know each other, and I've been sharing with you the truths of Jesus, that he loves you, he made you, um, he died for you um, to bear your sin. And, and, uh, and, and so I'm just wondering, where are you at in this? Are, are, you, are, you, are you ready to believe? Where are you? And she said these words to me. And my six-speed minivan, I had a minivan that was a six-speed, and so um, Ford, and so I had parked my six-speed um, minivan, and she said these words, she said, I can't believe, and I said, why, is there, is there more that we need to talk about? 
And I'll never forget these words. She said, if I believe in Jesus and I give my life to Jesus, then everything that my ancestors, everything that my family and my parents have believed, that will crumble. And if I repudiate that and walk away from that, then it will bring, she had this idea of karma as well, this will hurt my family members, and so I can't do it. And so she was hung up on this idea of, I can't come to Jesus in salvation because if I do, it will destroy my heritage, my ancestors, my parents, and things of that nature. And so there are all kinds of misunderstandings about Jesus. And Nicodemus has got one, and Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, I want you to understand, you've got to move beyond your understanding to my understanding and what I'm teaching you. You've got to make that shift in your life. And what Nicodemus thought was, if I walk away from what I think, um, what's going to happen? And what he didn't realize was, is that he had spent his life studying the Bible. He knew the Messianic text. Now the Messiah is standing in front of him, and what he didn't understand was that if he believed, everything that he had studied would only be enhanced. He would be able to see clearly, and there would be such a significant change that would come in his life. And so he just was caught up in that. Also, with this, before we move on to the next point, Nicodemus should have known this was already, this, this idea of a new birth and a new life was already the teaching of the Old Testament. There are places scattered throughout the Old Testament that speak about a new life and a new heart. And, and God's going to bring this newness. Ezekiel speaks about that in chapter 36 that where, he, where he says, God says this, he's going to remove your heart of stone. He's going to give you a heart of flesh. And so Nicodemus should have understood that God was going to bring about this newness on the inside that wasn't about external. And so when he says these words... Are you serious? I'm going to have to get back into my mother's womb again, which, by the way, his mother was not going to volunteer for that process and, and stuff. And so, no, that's not what Jesus was talking about. And so he's caught up in this idea. And so he, Jesus is pulling him further, and he's saying this, Nicodemus, if you want to see what I'm talking about, then you've got to move beyond your misunderstanding, and you've got to trust what I'm telling you. And let me say this before we look at point two. Again, I've been walking with the Lord and studying the Word of God for 37 years now. And I come to some text now that I do this still. Do you? Like, okay, what? Okay, okay. I, I don't get it, so I need to look further, more research, talk to people, ask questions. And so we're going to continue to scratch our heads and marvel at the glory and the grand character and nature of our God for the rest of our lives. And just because, listen, just because we don't understand something in the moment, don't reject it as untrue. For most of our lives, we know things to be true and we see the reality of those things all around in our lives. And, and, and we see this um, all the time. There are things in our lives that we do that we don't understand it, but we accept them as the reality. And I love this fact I love coffee. Coffee is awesome. God made coffee. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. Coffee is included. James tells us that in his letter. I am so thankful that every morning 
I wake up. I don't have to gather wood, start a fire to make coffee. I walk in because I don't understand it. But somewhere in this area is a power plant. And I don't know what happens at the power plant, but they do power things at the power plant. And they connect cables and wires and all of this kind of stuff. And it winds its way and it comes all the way to my house at 1716 Stapleton Drive. And in the morning I walk in and I push a button on my Nespresso machine. And in 30 seconds I put a pod in there and I've got espresso. And I'm, I don't know how all that works, but I just, I'm like, yeah, awesome, good. There's another thing that happens in my life. And you may not feel the same way as me, but there's some things that I don't understand. So let me explain it. But I go, yeah, awesome. How does a black, brown cow eat green grass? Something comes out of it, and we make something called butter, and it's yellow. And then that cow produces milk that is kind of whitish, but eventually becomes whitish. And eventually, something is made from it that's the greatest thing on the planet. It's called ice cream. Greatest thing ever that God has allowed us to make. And last night, we had none at our house. And I don't, I don't know how all that works. Black cow, green grass, milk that's this color, and, uh, and I don't know how it gets to Tom Thumb, but it got to Tom Thumb, and I can get in my Tundra, and I can drive up there in 15 minutes. I've got ice cream in my mouth. I don't understand all that, but I experience it. And let me just say this, folks. I know those are a little silliness, but let me just bring it home. I have no idea the depth that it took for a holy God to come here and to take on flesh, to be hung on a cross, to bear our sin. And through faith, He seeks us, we believe, and we're dead on the inside, and then all of a sudden we're spiritually alive. I don't understand every aspect of that, but I know it to be true. I've experienced it. The Bible teaches it. And I just say, awesome. And so all in our lives, we have these, I don't understand this, but it's glorious and it's good. And this is where Nicodemus is. And this is where you and I must come to. We must come to the place where we recognize and see that the salvation that has come to us is incredibly, unbelievably good. Secondly, look at verse 8. So Jesus talks now about the movement of the freedom and the power of the Holy Spirit. So verse 8, he says, so Nicodemus in, in verse 7, he says, Jesus says, don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And now Jesus says, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. And so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So look with me. So this, this phrase here means can mean breath or wind that comes from the nostrils or a mouth. It can also be a phrase in the Greek, 
this wind is a Greek word called pneuma. So it can also just describe the wind. It can also describe a powerful force that comes upon somebody to bring transformation. That's how the Greeks used it. Or how John uses it here is a description of the third person of the Trinity whose name is the Holy Spirit. He is co-equal with Jesus and the Father. He is Almighty God. He's eternal. He's not less God. He's fully God, three in one, mystery of mysteries, this Trinity. And so Jesus says, Nicodemus, the Spirit is this wind. He's moving. He's moving. He's transforming people. And so if you would, just picture this with me. Um, back in Israel at nighttime, it's hot during the day. And so at nighttime, it's hot as well as things are cooling down. And they would go and they would sit on the top of the roofs. And they would sit on the top of the roofs. And the f- families would gather and they would have friends over. And they would sit there and they would talk and they would eat and they would discuss. And just picture with me that night that Jesus, Nicodemus has found Jesus. And they're up on the roof of a house in Jerusalem. And a gust of wind comes by. And Jesus turns to Nicodemus and says, hey, Nicodemus, do you feel that? That wind just came through and it rustled our hair. It moved our clothing. The leaves of the tree um, rustled. That, that limb right there bent a little bit and it moved. And it brought change and transformation to the moment. And, and the, when the wind comes, it's, we don't know where it comes from. It's uncontrollable. It just does what the wind does and he says Nicodemus this is what I'm talking about if you want to be born again you need to know this that the Holy Spirit who brings this regeneration he's the wind and breath of God and he's moving and he's moving in your heart that's why you've come to seek me and to ask these questions and he's present right here and he's just like that and just like you and I can see when the wind has come through When a tornado has come through, you can tell a tornado has come through. When a typhoon comes and it ushers the water in and it just brings this destruction, sometimes the wind is powerful and it changes the topography and it changes the geography and it changes places. And when the Spirit comes, the Spirit does the same thing, just radically changes a person's life. And so he says, Nicodemus, here's the deal. Don't marvel at this. You need to know this, that all over the world today, the Spirit is at work and He's transforming the lives of people. And he's just active, and he's moving, and he's doing these unbelievable things. And you see his work in the moment and the effects of the things that are left behind when he works. And when the Spirit blows, we feel his conviction. We visibly see the change that's been brought in a life. And sometimes in our lives, I'll just say this, we don't know, have have a full idea of what he's doing in our lives or where he is leading us. But if we are a believer, he is committed to bringing our salvation to a place of completion. He is faithful and just to do the work, to bring us to the place that He wants us to. And while we can't understand it all, you and I need to just trust Him and walk with Him. Now, here's what we do sometimes. Well, you may be better than me. I'll just... This is what I do sometimes. I just decide, I'm going to do this. And I just go on, and I don't out loud do this, but I kind of do this. I say, hey, hey, Spirit, if you want to come with me, you can keep in step with me. And we just step ahead, and we go on and do our own thing. And that always works out well, right? Works out really well. Or we can do what the Apostle Paul said, keep in step with the Spirit. That means this. 
Who's leading? The Spirit is. So we keep in step with Him. What's He doing? He's moving. He's stepping. We step with Him. And we move with Him instead of inviting Him along with our stepping. The wind is blowing. And the wind is the Spirit of God. And He's transforming lives. And He's doing this incredible work. And He's taking us places where He wishes You see, the Holy Spirit is completely all-knowing. He is all-wise. He is all-powerful. And in His omniscience, He knows where He is leading us. And in His power, He can clear out the way for us. Our role is to cooperate with Him where He is leading us. Now, I look back over my life, and sometimes I've wondered, God, do you know what you're doing? And yeah, He knows exactly what He's doing. And we can't see it in the moment But later on, do we not always see it? We see that maybe years later we look back and there's a reflection on a moment. We see, okay, God, I didn't see then, but now I see that you are doing that to get me to this place. Remember Joseph in the Old Testament? Genesis 17, God gives him two dreams. His family's going to come and bow down to him. He shares it with his older brothers, which is not the most wise thing to do. They throw him into a pit. They sell him into slavery all the way to Egypt. He's falsely accused of rape. He's put in prison. He's forgotten in prison. But then, about almost 20 years later, God brings him out of that cell. He interprets a dream. And he becomes the second most powerful person in Egypt, just under Pharaoh, running the land. And eventually, you know what happens? The brothers come and they bow. You see, God was at work way back then to get Joseph to where he wanted him to be. And so listen, students, listen, adults. God is going to be leading us to specific destinations. Is there fear in that leadership at times and uncertainty? Yes, absolutely. But if we, if we know it's not something that's unbiblical and it's not of the flesh and it's clear that this potentially is in line with what God would do, even if we don't maybe like where we have to move or uh, a job we have to take or, or another neighborhood we have to move to, whatever the case may be, if God is in it, then it's going to be good. Because God knows exactly what He's doing. And the Spirit is blowing and moving, Jesus says, as He wishes to bring this transformation. And so He says, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear its sound. You do not know where it comes from, where it goes. And so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And you see this all the time. The sinner becomes holy in God's sight. The drunk quits buying 12-packs and quits going to the liquor store. An angry, angry dad becomes gentle. A rebellious person all of a sudden becomes obedient. And the hardened heart against God is softened to the point where it can't get enough of God. And so the Spirit does this work, and so Jesus is telling Nicodemus, This is what you need. This is what you need. Now on your chair, 
is this. And I want you to, we're not going to go through all of it, but I want you to put it in your Bible and I want you to read it at home. One of the questions we deal with a lot with the students in our church and, and students in general um, is how do I know? You know, I was seven and I made a decision and was baptized and now I'm 15 and I've done something wrong that a Christian shouldn't do and this doubt begins to settle in the heart and I wonder, am I a, a, am I a believer? And so is there a way to know is there a way to know you've been born of God? And is there a way to know that you are, your salvation is secure? And John, the same John writing here, wrote a letter called 1 John. We call it 1 John. I don't know if he called it 1 John. We call it 1 John. But in this, he writes all these things. This is, look at, look at uh, under born of God, verse 29 there, chapter 2. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Look at 3.9, underneath that one. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep sinning because he is born of God. You know one of the reasons why we know that we belong to him and there's been a salvation? It's not that we don't make a mistake because we make a mistake. It's that we don't continue in that mistake and just don't care about it. We want... We want to not continue to do that, and that's evidence that salvation has come to us. And if you're wrestling with doubt today, am I truly a believer? I want to encourage you to meditate on these words, because this is where Nicodemus is. He's like, do I have salvation? This guy's telling me something different, that I've got to be born again, but I believe that it's in the commandments for my salvation. And here's the next thing that needs to happen. In our lives, we must move from sight to walking by faith. Nicodemus can't see it, and what he sees is just physical talk. Getting back into my mother's womb, wind? What are you talking about, wind? And he's wrestling with these physical things that he can't comprehend, and what he needs to do is just let go and trust in the words that Jesus is speaking. So in verse 7, um, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Look at verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? He's wrestling with the idea, how can this be true? Um, and, and for you and I, we must never approach biblical truth or have an outlook on it or treat it with an idea with many things is just ignore it because we don't understand it. We can't do that. And so, or we have determined because we don't understand it that it's not true true and so we've got to move from sight to faith and believing it's true a windmill cannot turn on its own a windmill cannot produce wind it has movement when the wind comes we are we are that windmill there's not movement until the spirit comes and when the spirit comes there is movement we don't make the wind we don't bring the salvation the Spirit of God brings the salvation, and we are birthed into the kingdom. Here's these words that I said earlier, Galatians 5.25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Here's the fourth thing I want us to see. Look at verse 9. So Nicodemus in 9 and 10, Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand 
these things. We must move from a place of intellectual discussions to a place of believing and truly experiencing the power and presence of God. So Nicodemus has continued going, I don't, I don't get it, I don't understand. And I think what Jesus does here is this. Hey, Nicodemus, we've been talking about this for a while now. This, it, don't let these 12 verses think that these are the only words that were in this conversation. This is a detailed, brief description of what they've been talking about. And Jesus basically says to him, Nicodemus, intellectually, we've been talking about this. But faith is more than just intellect. It's more than discussions. You've got to move to a place of belief. And so what are you going to do, Nicodemus? You're a teacher of Israel. You should be understanding the things that I'm teaching you. The Old Testament speaks about that there must be interchange inside of a heart, but his mind is still swimming. And I wonder if there's anybody in the room today if this would be true of. And Jesus is telling Nicodemus, hey, we've been talking it's time to believe, Nicodemus. What are you going to believe? Are you going to believe what I'm telling you? You're going to believe what you think that, that you believe is the right way. And I wonder how many people in this room have come in here Sunday after Sunday or another church Sunday after Sunday and we said these words, we, we, we sense God speaking to us, He's moving in our heart, and we say this, okay, today's the day, things are going to be different, and then next week we say the same thing, and next week we say the same thing, and I would say to, today to you, why let today pass? Why not settle it today? That today, I'm not going to just talk about it. I'm not just going to say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that today or I'm going, to, I'm going to do that next week or next year, things are going to be different. The reason why we say next week, tomorrow, next year, next month is because we don't have the power, watch, to bring the change. But He does. And if He's blowing in the room today in your heart like He was blowing in the heart and mind of Nicodemus. Why not let today be the day that you decide to walk with God and to let go of your misunderstandings, your misgivings, your rejection of Christ because you don't understand and so you just mark it as untrue. Why not let today be the day of just letting go? You see, Jesus can bring us into the kingdom of God and the Spirit has the power to do that. And we must move to this place always. Look at 10 and 11. This is the fifth thing this morning. Almost done. We've got to move from intellectual discussions, conversations, and we've got to move to a place in salvation where we're speaking about what we genuinely know. We have come to know this. We've come to experience it. It has come to be true in our heart. So 10 and 11, Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, 11, he says, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. So let me ask the question, who is we here? So Jesus uses the phrase, are you in 11, we speak of what we know, we bear witness of what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. I think the we is three things. I think it's Jesus, I think it's disciples, and thirdly, I think it's the Old Testament prophets and Moses writing 
about the coming Messiah. The Old Testament's testimony, the Messiah is coming. That was clear. Now he's here. And so Jesus is telling Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you've been studying the Scriptures about the coming of the Messiah. Now I'm here. I'm telling you, you need a new heart. You don't need your old heart of stone. You need a new heart. You need to be born again. The Spirit's blowing in your heart, calling you, drawing you to me. And so Nicodemus, what are you going to do? And I'm speaking of what I know. The disciples are speaking of what they know. And what we know is this, is that the Old Testament prophets spoke about my coming. And so we are speaking about what we know, but you're rejecting or in danger, Nicodemus, of rejecting the established testimony of the Scripture and myself. And you've come to me because you said, no one can do the things like I can do, so I must have come from God. So Nicodemus, what are you going to do? And so we've got to move to a place, church, where we speak of what we genuinely know. Listen to these words. This is Jesus in John chapter 5, 39 through 40. He says to the religious leaders, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. They're pointing to me. They're not pointing to themselves. They are pointing to me. And yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. And this is where Nicodemus was. I'm obeying the scriptures. I've been about the scriptures. But the scriptures bear witness about Jesus. Now Jesus is here and I'm not coming to him. And so I'm in danger of missing out of what he is doing. What did Nicodemus need to see? I was 17 on a stage drive in Waco, Texas at a church. It was a Sunday night. I've been fighting with God for most of my life. And I showed up at church on a Sunday night. I listened to some of the people I went to school with give testimony about how God was moving in their life and what he was doing. And after it was over, I went up to the youth minister that I had rejected over and over, didn't want to have anything to do with our student group. And I went up to him and said, I'm ready. And I sat down and he he, I love that he did this with me. Um, he said, um, you know what to do. I th- he said, God's speaking to you. You know what to do. And so why don't you just right now, you just tell him you're ready to believe. And so right there in my fumbling non-preacher words, because I have great preacher words now, don't I? <laughs> and my non-preacher words as a 17-year-old, I just, in that pew, I just said, Jesus, I'm tired of doing this on my own, and I know that you came and died for me, and I believe in you. And you know what happened immediately? Exactly what Jesus said there. I could see. I could see. This fighting was gone, and I just wanted to embrace him. I didn't want to push him away. I just wanted to love him. And did I understand all of it in that moment? No. But I knew change had come. And it had come because the Spirit had right there in that moment had 
I'd been born anew. I was born again. And now God was residing in my life. And I was blind, but now I could see something that was amazing. That it wasn't about me anymore. It was about what He could do because I could not do it. And we must get to a place where we have a testimony that says, I know this for myself. If you're a student in the room, or if you're a kid in the room, and your parents love God, they bring you to church, and you're like, "Eh, I'm kind of okay with church, kind of okay with those people, but I don't know if I really want to give everything in it. Listen, I get it. That was me. I used to take the worship folders. I was so bored at church on Sunday that I would color in all the P's and the D's and the Q's, the little circles and the O's, and just like, when is this thing going to get over? You know what I did the next Sunday? I took that worship bulletin, transformation, and I took notes. There was no coloring in P's and Q's because I could see for the first time that I was part of the family and the kingdom of God. And I wanted to know more, and I wanted to love him, and I wanted to worship him. And this is the last one. We have to move from an earthly perspective about God and his word to a heavenly perspective. Look what Jesus says in verse 12. He says, if I've told you earthly things and you don't even believe the earthly things that I'm telling you, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And so Nicodemus, if you can't even grasp earthly illustrations i'm trying to give you how in the world are you going to understand the things of heaven like the trinity try to understand that one how how are you going to understand the second coming how are you going to understand how the spirit works and giving spiritual gifts to people and the substitutionary death of christ on the cross and the rapture and just on and on it goes and so we if we're going to move to a place of great depth and understanding this salvation we've got to move from a natural perspective of the faith and move to a supernatural one so i want to close with this i want you to go to the old testament book of ezekiel to your left it's not real far from where we are and i want you to go to chapter 37 and i want to show you an old testament example that nicodemus would have known to be true he would have taught it He would have read it. He would have known it. And I want to show you the supernatural work of God that happens and takes place in a life. Ezekiel 37, verse 1. Notice the movement. Notice the Spirit of the Lord, Holy Spirit. Leading, moving on natural things to bring something supernatural to life. All right, here we go. Verse 1, Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me moving out in the Spirit of the Lord, and he sat me down, set me down in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones, and he led me around among them. And behold, there were many on the surface of the valley, valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, 
<clears throat> Can these bones live? And I answered, Oh Lord God, <clears throat> you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, Oh dry bones, hear the supernatural word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. And thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin. Look at the movement. And put breath in you and you will live and you shall know that I am the Lord. This is the supernatural invading the earthiness of life where there was just dry and nothing was there. So look at verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. You heard the effect. And behold, a rattling. The bones, you could see it, came together. What was broken was coming together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me in nine, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, listen to this. Listen to the words there. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain. Do something supernatural that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open up your graves, and I will raise you from your graves out of your death, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know in those days that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And 14, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land and then you shall know that I am the Lord and I've spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. And I believe this is what he does in salvation. What was just dead. Hearing the word of the Lord. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. Romans 10. And when Jesus speaks in a room and the Spirit moves in a room and He speaks to a life and He says this, earth offers nothing, you're just going to be dead, but God offers you life. He wants to raise you up and put His Spirit in you. And when the wind of God moved over that which was dead, it became alive. And this is what God does to a dead sinner. The Holy Spirit comes and awakens the heart to the truth of God's word. And the sinner is drawn to Jesus. And when the sinner responds in faith, he is saved and given this new birth from God. So what do we do with this text today? What do we do? Well, let me just give you a couple practical things. The first one is this. Do not reject the teaching of Scripture about salvation or anything else just because it's a mystery 
and we don't fully understand it. Don't reject it. Don't do that. Secondly, let faith take over even when we don't understand. Trust. Just trust in those moments. Trust it to be true. And let God bring the clarification in the days ahead. Thirdly, I would say this. This is where Nicodemus was wrestling. This is where the Pharisees, most of them. And by the way, I do believe Nicodemus came to believe. But I think here he's just trying to decide, okay, what am I going to do with this? And thirdly, I would just say this. Beware the arrogance toward God that says, I've figured out what you're doing. And I understand it all. Fourthly, faith is supernatural. It's not earthy, but it takes place on the earth and it takes place in the midst of earthy moments where we are rescued. But it is giving sight to eyes that could not see. And that's what God does here in the text. I want to close with a story. Uh, H.A. Ironside is a great theologian I've read some of his books and um, in his kind of story of his life he wrote a story about a guy he met who was from Ireland this man's name was Andrew Fraser Um, Ironside was living in California Um, Andrew Fraser was in America at the time he had contracted uh, or yeah whatever the word is uh, contracted I think it is Tuberculosis, tuberculosis, okay, here we go, all right, um, and was recovering from that and, and came to stay at Ironside's house. The old man could barely speak, his lungs had just, um, had just suffered so much damage from the TB and uh, they were just barely hanging on, but one of the things that he did every day was he would open his Bible and until his strength was gone, Andrew Fraser there at Ironside's house, he would um, open up the truth of the Bible and he would speak of the truth that he was reading in the text. And Ironside was in the room and was just blown away um, by truth after truth that Andrew Fraser was speaking. And before he knew it, Ironside said, I had tears running down my cheeks. And so I asked him, where did you get this insight? Where did you get these things that you're communicating did you find them in a book? Could you tell me what the book is um, so that I could go and I could read the book? Did you learn these at seminary or at college? And, and Fraser turned to Ironside, this theologian. Who, and I've, I, don't know, I've, I don't know if you've ever read, you study theology, but Ironside was a deep man. Fraser turned to Ironside and said, My dear young man, I learned these things on my knees in the mud floor of the little sod cottage in the north of Ireland. And there with my Bible open before me, I used to kneel for hours at a time and ask the Spirit of God to reveal Christ to my soul and to open the Word to my heart. He taught me more on my knees on that mud floor than I could have ever learned in all the seminaries or colleges in the world. And this is one of the main reasons you and I need spiritual birth is that we will never understand the speaking of God, and the teaching of God if we aren't born anew. Oh, you can have a little bit of intellectual understanding, but it's not enough. By the way, the demons believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And they are cursed and damned. 
So it's not enough to have intellectual understanding. There must be a heart change. And I believe that when we are born anew and God does this work of salvation, there begins something called sanctification where we want to know the one who has rescued us. And the way that we know the one who has rescued us is to trust in what has been written in the text because it's been spoken by God. By men who are carried along by the Spirit of God and wrote these things down for us. And I know you know this to be true. This life here on earth is yucky. It is awful. It's, it's difficult. There's the dark night of the soul not knowing What's coming tomorrow? How do we get through this? What are we going to do about our kids? What do I do about my spouse, my job, my finances, this uneasiness in my soul? And I know this to be true in my life. That in the dark night of the soul, in the difficult days of life, I have come to know because salvation has come and I've been born again that the truth of God's Word in the dark nights and the dark days of my life, when the truth of God touches my tongue, there's a sweetness that's there that makes the, the roughness of this life gone. Next to ice cream, I am convinced of this, the next greatest thing that God has created is honey. And I love honey. And I love it. It's so good. More. And I want you to know it's coming, if you're not there now, that the dark night of life is going to, it's coming. Because this side of heaven, it's a broken world. And in the midst of the brokenness, there is a sweetness that is found in the brokenness by partaking and trusting what Jesus says. And that's the last thing I want to leave us with. That just turn up that word of God and taste and see that the Lord is good. That He's good. There's not, there's some pretty good things in this life, but there's nothing compared to knowing Him. Nothing compared to knowing Him. And His grace is amazing that has come to us. Let's pray.